In this week's episode, keynote speaker and author of Good Enough Now, Jessica Pettit and I will chat about the first female crash test dummy, all-terrain wheelchairs, and more. Hey there, my name is Bernadette Smith. Welcome to Five Things in 15 Minutes, my weekly show where I bring good vibes to DEI. That is good vibes to diversity, equity, and inclusion with a little dash of corporate social responsibility. What I've found is that there are lots of news stories about what's going wrong in the world and lots of negative data, but there are also a lot of things going right. That's what I like to focus on. I search for DEI stories that we can be inspired by and learn from. My hope is to inspire you to experiment with some of these inclusive actions and policies within your own organization to help you build a more inclusive world. Let's get started. Jess, will you introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, my name's Jess, and I do DEI work primarily using comedy and current events as the equalizer so that we can have more uncomfortable conversations that we can get comfortable with. I love it. I love your approach. And I think you have awesome energy. And um, thank you for being a guest on the show. So today's newsletter, today's focus was really about remembrance. And the, the newsletter came out right before Transgender Day Remembrance at the end of Transgender Awareness Week. Patty Flynn who works with us was she the guest writer. She herself is a trans woman. And she was sharing about some of the ways that we remember folks who are no longer with us because they are victims of violence. And, you know, here at Equality Institute, yes, we like to focus on the good vibes, but we also want to remember that sometimes things are really hard. And, uh, and this newsletter came out right, right before the shooting at Club Q in Colorado Springs. But, but Jess, when we were prepping for this, you reminded me that there was a good vibe that came out of that club shooting. You want to share? Well, sure. And I, I would actually add even a second one. So that night, I live in a very small rural town, and we had over 280 people come out that night for a memorial, which is like the biggest turnout we've ever had. And it was a beautiful, very celebratory kind of experience and I appreciate that the Equality Institute focuses on the positive. When, that when we were prepping for the show, the best thing I've seen that has come out of the Club Q attack or hate crime is the chief of police of Colorado Springs actually said that he's going to use the names and the pronouns of the people at the time of death that they used, which for the, my understanding, I think this is the first time a chief of police has done that in a press conference But let alone in Colorado Springs, a very conservative part of Colorado, very, very, very conservative part of Colorado. It was just stunning. And it was really a wonderful thing to see. And I think that it'll set a precedent for other forms of media, even though like APA and all these other ones are supposed to be using preferred pronouns. They don't often. And I hope it really elevates that expectation of using the name and pronouns that people use at the time of death, at the time of life. So that's the win. 
Absolutely. It, it is a great reminder. It's a great way of demonstrating allyship. And I think it's a great when the, when someone who's in that type of position of authority and leadership within a community, especially one that is historically conservative, when when that person takes a stand like that, it can be really powerful for other folks who are witnessing it, especially people who might not get it. Yet here is someone who's who's using their power, his power for good. And, uh, and I think that sort of shows people how, how to use their power for good and that it can be as simple as committing to treating people with dignity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So let's move into today's first story, which, you know, some of these stories just truly have to fall into the category of finally, <laughs> this, <laughs> this first one is an example of that. Finally, we have the first female crash test dummy because prior to now dummies for women were scaled down version of male dummies, which means that they're about the size of a 12 year old. And as a result, women are much more likely to die in a car crash and also experience severe industries. And uh, now there are crash test dummies, which more accurately represent the woman's body. Yeah. I mean, I think what, what is interesting is like, I can't believe this is just happening. And also is that even enough, right? Like that, I think that it is a fascinating thing to think about um, first off, even how going back to gender, how we gender a test dummy. But when we're taking like the average height, body shape, density, um, length of leg, torso, where your head placement would be to then test vehicles for injury or possible casualties, then you need to recognize that there are differently shaped humans that might be inside that car. And historically, obviously, mostly men were driving for a very long time. Women weren't even allowed to drive. Just like, you know, I'm a Gen Xer. So as a kid, we didn't have seatbelts. We didn't have car seats. We didn't have helmets. Like, I distinctly remember hanging out of the back of the window of the station wagon. Um, So safety things have changed. And maybe um, gendering test dummies to fit the more average height, size, weight, etc., fat distribution, etc., for what uh, is typically a woman that might be in a car obviously is going to help with those kind of injury or casualty numbers. Um, I'm excited that I think that it's also a starting point for differently shaped people. Like there are very tall people. There are very small people. There are very um, large people. I also think that there's another story for you to look into for another newsletter possibly is that there's a study currently about quadriplegics going to space Um, One, they literally take up less space. Um, And two, uh, not having to deal with limbs and anti-gravity could actually lead to a much more successful experience in space. But we don't necessarily think about quadriplegics um, or, you know, quadruple amputees being useful in that manner. So I'm I'm excited about the, the frontier of actually looking at real people and how um, some of the things that we look as deficits in one category might actually be positives in other categories. I love that. The flip side of our baggage, of our what holds us back. I love that looking for the positive there. That's great. I, I'll have to look up that story. Thank you for sharing. 
Okay, so next up is the uh, James Webb Space Telescope, which has been taking really spectacular photos of our galaxy and beyond, is now having those images described with alt text. So this alt text is allowing folks who are visually impaired to hear the description of those images and therefore envision it themselves. Isn't this awesome? It is amazing. I think it's really exciting to think that such extraordinary images that are so awe-inspiring don't necessarily have to require vision or sight, but can still be connectors of community. Uh, the idea of recognizing how infinitesimally small we are is a shared experience that we can all have, whether you can see or not. Absolutely. I love it. All right. Well, the next story is about all-terrain wheelchairs arriving at some U.S. parks. So in Georgia, South Dakota, Minnesota, and Michigan, wheelchair users will be able to use adaptive wheelchairs that they can even go through streams, up hills, rocky terrain. I mean, how much fun is that? Good for them. I love this. Yeah, that, I was really surprised, actually. I feel a little spoiled here in super northern California. But uh, we have all-terrain uh, wheelchairs that have beach access. Um, we have ADA-accessible forest trails in, like, the old-growth redwoods. And um, I, I kind of just thought that that was commonplace. But sometimes you have to remember that, like, not everybody does what you're doing, right? Um, so I was excited to see that that is spreading. Um, I know that it is... It's exceptionally cool to be able to go and enjoy nature with friends or family members that use some kind of mobi mobility supportive device. Um, that's really cool. I know that um, I grew up in Texas originally. And so the first time I ever saw cows on the beach here was just mind boggling because I was like, what are you doing on the beach? <laughs> um, and uh, I think similarly, it can kind of happen when you see someone who's in an all-terrain wheelchair because you're like, something is not typical here, but uh, cows are welcome on the beach here. They're spoiled rotten because the fields go right into the beach. And it really does kind of like break down my mental barriers. And then I think it's a really great reminder that nature is for everyone and that the ability to create access uh, for people to enjoy it, builds on that community. And there is also still some responsibility for all of us to also remember that like nature was here first. So I just a little nudge to leave it cleaner than it was when you got there in the first place, but check your own walls or boundaries that you have of what is typical and what isn't typical. And part of what's exciting, right, is to kind of broaden the definition of what is accessible and what isn't accessible. I love that. I absolutely love that because I know that when I first saw this story, I it just kind of reminded me of how much I don't know and how much I take for granted, right? Mm -hmm. Because these are the types of things that never occur to me that I don't think about because I don't need to, Yeah. right? And so it just kind of, I mean, creating this newsletter often reminds me is a good reminder of my privilege, right? So um well, I'll, I'll do a plug as well. So there's a park here that I always take people when they come to visit called Lady Bird Johnson. And it's part of the California State Parks. And it is an old growth redwoods. It is a one mile loop. 
And when Lady Bird, the story is, is Lady Bird Johnson, Lyndon B. Johnson's wife, first lady, during his presidency, came out, fell in love with the area, declared, like, we have to reserve, preserve some of this area, created Lady Bird Johnson State Park. And part of the requirements then was that it was 100% accessible. And so it is one of the first paved, flat, one-mile loops inside of a state park in the United States. So I always take all my guests there, regardless of what their mobility needs are. Love it. That is great. Well, I have never been that far north in California, as far north as you are. So sounds like I, I need to make it make a trip next year. Yeah. All right. So the last stories come from the airline uniform standards being relaxed. So I recently wrote about how Virgin Airlines is actually removing gender from their uniform standards, which means that anyone of any gender can wear any approved uniform, regardless of whether it's skirt or slacks or whatever. Um, and also they ha- they relaxed their policy on public tattoos. Well, since they did that, the amount of resumes of applications for their jobs has increased by what a hundred percent it's doubled 200%. I mean, it's absolutely astonishing. And then beyond that, British airways did something similar. Men are now allowed to wear man buns and makeup. So, you know, it's working and these things really do matter for folks. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of studies showing, uh, how much uh, work-related energy goes to making some parts of yourself hidden or small so that you can show up to work. And being able to not do that means that you can actually put that kind of energy towards your work tasks. I know I fly United. It's one of the main airlines flying in and out of here. And um, I know that, uh, I don't know if it's official policy or not, but I've definitely noticed um, as the airlines has opened back up post COVID um, that there is like uh, men wearing fingernail polish or um, even eyelashes or different ways of using the scarf. Like there's mm-hmm. obviously a scarf, but it can be a belt. It can be around the neck. It can be on the head. It can be forwards. It can be backwards. Um, I'm noticing a lot more creativity and fluidity in what you're able to do as part of the uniform which I'm hoping, here's another positive, I'm hoping really begins to shift and broaden the definition of what is, quote, professional and allow some intersection around self-expression, gender identity, gender expression, and what is considered a professional uniform that's safe for that particular job. I'm really excited about it. I absolutely agree. And it definitely seems like it's we're moving in that direction, certainly in some industries, but in others, it's a a longer process, right? But airlines have traditionally been a pretty gendered and conservative industry. But you know what's my favorite uniform policy across companies is from General Motors. And I think it's just as simple as dress appropriately. That Mm -hmm. is the company's uniform policy. Yeah, I I work with a lot of organizations and their dress code policies. And what's fascinating is uh, usually the people are like, no, it's a policy. It has to be it. So I'm like, great, please email it to me. And then I will look at it. And clearly no one has read this since 1983 because what they're articulating in specifics have gone out of fashion, back in fashion and out of fashion again. Um, Shoulder pads are never a way to go. And that certainly isn't a safety thing. Um, So being able to bring out those conversations of what means professional 
How does white supremacy show up in your definition of professional, but also regulating uh, your emotions and direct communication that also is very cultured. So how do you kind of deal with those internally so that it's inclusive of everyone? I think these are new conversations that have been needed for a very long time. Absolutely. But you know what, Jess, as we start to see other organizations be more inclusive in their policies around gender expression, uniform expression, and other forms of self-expression, you know what? I will make sure they show up here on Five Things in 15 Minutes. So I will continue to bring those good vibes. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jess. And for those of you who don't already get the Five Things newsletter, you can subscribe at fivethingsdei.com. Thanks so much for joining me, Jess. How can people find you, by the way? JessPettit.com. No one can spell my last name. Even Four letters are the same out of seven. But you can also <laughs> go to goodenoughnow.com, where doing the best you can with what you got some of the time is better than nothing, never. Love it. I love it. All right. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to Five Things in 15 Minutes. I hope you found yourself inspired by at least one of this week's stories. If you did, would you mind sharing it with a colleague and leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform? And if you don't already get my Five Things newsletter, join at fivethingsdei.com. I'm Bernadette Smith, and I'll see you next week right here for Five Things in 15 Minutes, bringing good vibes to DEI 